We had a guest lecturer in our high school Bible class at the end of the school year. Actually, we had a number of them. Uh, at the end of my doctrines class, which rotates about every four years, uh, I bring in people of other traditions to um, give their perspective from the horse's mouth, so to speak, of sacraments and sacramental theology. You can imagine that some of those lectures take longer than others, depending upon which tradition one comes from. Um, all of, all of uh, the guest lecturers were wonderful uh, gentlemen um, with um, you know, a gracious heart and attitude, so we don't get into fistfights or anything, even verbal fights. Um, Father Innocent from uh, the Monastery of St. John of Shanghai in San Francisco, uh, which is in Manton, which is very different from Shanghai and San Francisco. It's, you know, three buildings and 20 people, it seems, at any given time. Um, he came and uh, spoke to us of the Eastern Orthodox view of the sacraments. And he wanted to lay the foundation or the background for the sacramental teaching of the Orthodox Church. This background was reasonably familiar to my students, and I think you will find that it rings bells with you too, as Anglicans. He noted that the human born into the sinful world and life is sick from sin. There is a blindness that disables the human from seeing God as he is. This sickness must be healed, of course, and the place of healing is a hospital that we call the church. The great physician is, of course, in charge of the hospital, but there are other healers there who do the day-to-day -day work, or at least the changing of bedpans, and all of us are called at some level to be involved in this hospital work. Some of us, some of, us of course, find ourselves patients periodically. And some of us, perhaps, that are younger in the faith uh, would be candy stripers, if you remember that old term and, and that old position. The course of treatment for the cure of the disease of sin is very old and has been used for century upon century upon century. In the East, they have a few other names for this course of treatment, but in the West... We name it and always have, for as long back as I can see, purgation, illumination, and union. The purging of sin is where we must start, and actually we continue with that throughout our lives, hopefully not quite as much as the beginning of our spiritual life. We must ask for the Holy Spirit's illumination, that he would shine light on our lives and in our lives, so that we might see the logs that are in our eyes, and we seek to be at one with Christ through the Spirit and thus to be at one with the Father. One of the biggest problems I see with this course of treatment is that in the West, no one knows it is available. It's like having the cure for some disease and you have to go to the hospital or go to the doctors to get it, but you don't even know there is such a possibility. We don't half the time in the West seem to even understand that we are sick. 
this understanding of our spiritual journey, this understanding of how to be healed and to move forward in healing, this understanding of the course of treatment to be followed, used to be very commonly understood in the West. But we've forgotten it. We've decided that other things are perhaps more important. We've perhaps been caught up and distracted by our pop Christian culture, or perhaps just by the pop culture in general. So we must make this course of treatment common again. We must make it the common understanding of our own spiritual journeys for ourselves and for our families and our church communities. Trinity season is really about growth. We have followed the life of Christ throughout the church year up to this point. We started in Advent with the anticipation of the birth of Christ, of the Christ child at Christmas, and have been following the incarnation, ministry, passion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ ever since, ending in some sense with the helper coming at Pentecost. And now we turn to the growth of the church to the growth of the individual people who make up the church. As so many of you know, the lectionary readings appointed for the Sundays in Trinity mark this threefold way of the pursuit of God, purgation, illumination, and union. The first seven Sundays follow the theme of purgation, the second the theme of illumination, and the third seven the theme of union with Christ. And as the Sundays go by during this summer, we also follow a pattern of the seven deadly sins three times. Don't ignore these themes this summer, is my encouragement. Follow the pattern. Be about your growth and maturity in Christ. And with that commendation in mind, I would like to look at our epistle lesson this morning. Father Blunt says this about the epistle lesson. In the epistle... St. John shows that God's own love for mankind is the source and spring for all love towards him. And that all true love towards him is shown by the evidence of charity. True love towards God is shown by the evidence of charity. The Greek word for this charity, this love, of course, is agape, And it means essentially self-sacrifice, putting the good of others before yours and before your interests, desires, and even before your own good. In a certain way, the whole first half and a bit more of the church year has been about showing forth the doctrine of God and his love towards us, all in the person of his Son. Our epistle lesson summarizes that reality in this way. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And in this, excuse me, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Trinity season presents us with the question of how we are going to respond to this love of God. St. John speaks of our imperfect love of God, and we see this by seeing our imperfect love 
for our neighbor. The season of Trinity, says Father David Phillips, is about perfecting that love which is the antithesis of hate. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. From the Proverbs, whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. We pray and hope as repenting Christians to understand the last line to read, his wickedness will be not just exposed, but healed in the assembly or the church. The healing is all about the presence of God with us, isn't it? We cannot heal ourselves. Though we can repent and we can pull down the stubborn walls of our pride and say yes to God the Spirit in our lives. God, however, is the ultimate healer. Jesus is the great physician. We've just recently celebrated Whitson Week, and let us not forget what that great feast day of Pentecost is all about. We have the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've been given the gift. He was poured down upon the apostles and the disciples at Pentecost, and he is given to us in our baptisms. We have the power of God. It is the great physician spirit who abides in us. St. John reminds us this morning, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The whole season of Trinity is about this reality. May we remember that we have the spirit of God in us. We have the power in us to live a life of love. We come to the Holy Scriptures and we come to the table of God this morning to find mercy and to be strengthened in and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let us go out to the world to be the love of Jesus to our neighbors and to our communities, that they may see the face of God in the face of Jesus in the face of his people. Amen.